You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. <laughs> this podcast is taking a turn. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We once spent a New Year's Eve together in Denny's in San Antonio, and it was really the low point of my life. That's right. Welcome to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast here on a Monday afternoon. I am Dave Barry, producer of the show, and I am joined by the stars of the show, Adam Gorney and Mike Farrell. Guys, how you guys doing? That uh, was okay. I mean, it's, it's it's the same every week. I try to bring the energy, and you guys are just like, that good. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's jump right into it. We've got a few things to discuss here, uh, a few fun things to discuss. First of all, we'll talk uh, commitments. Commitments finally coming in. It had been a while. You know, not many, not too many kids were committing over the last couple months, which was which was different from years past. But uh, Mike, what have you seen lately? as these commits come in? A lot of quarterbacks. Um, you know, you're starting to see the, the you know, the. I guess it's it's sort of like a game of Tetris, you know? Everybody's starting to fit into their their roles and, and taking up those spots, and now other kids start to get a little bit worried that they're not going to have a spot, and, you know, so you start to see guys uh, like Paul Tyson, who's Bear Bryant's, uh, what's he, his grandson, I think he is? Great-grandson, I think. Great-grandson? I don't even know, but he's good. I mean, you know, we've seen him on film. He's he's perfect for Alabama. He's a game manager. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't throw picks, and, you know, he'll be perfect for that system. He won't win you football games, but you don't need a quarterback to win you football games at Alabama. You just need one who is not going to absolutely lose it for you or or, you know, be unable to move the ball. Ryan Alinsky going to South Carolina. Jalen Jones going to Florida. Grant Tisdale, probably the best of the group, going to uh, Ole Miss. So Ole Miss, back-to-back, big-time quarterback commitments. I don't know how they're getting it done there, but very, very impressive job, um, you know, with the sanctions in place. They also got Dewan Black, uh, who used to be committed to Mississippi State. Big-time athlete, could play linebacker could be a 240 pound safety uh could play a hybrid defensive end linebacker position um so you know the thing i notice are the quarterbacks um garrett schrader going to mississippi state as well but you know it's starting finally the dam is broken we're finally starting to see the run of commitments that we've expected probably I'd say for the last month or so, we expected this to happen. So it has finally happened in the second week of April. Yeah, and uh, you know now the top two quarterbacks are off the board pro style. Uh, I talked to Grant Cannell this weekend. He's going to be taking a round of visits, so don't expect a decision anytime really, really soon. Sam Howell seems like he was at this Adidas event that we're going to talk about too. Uh, he could be making a decision within a month. So a lot of quarterbacks are coming off the board. It's not an incredibly strong year at quarterback, um, so we're not going to see all these five stars coming off the board, but a lot of guys are. But let's talk about Ole Miss just for a second. What they're doing is phenomenal. Um, they're not just loading up on their class. They're doing pretty well in state, although a lot of those, the top kids from the, the state haven't committed yet. But they're doing really, really great. They have 15 commitments. I think that's the most in the country now. 
only three or, or four star kids, so their their average star rating actually dropped this weekend. Um, but they're loading up and, and getting a lot of kids to commit early, which is probably good in a situation where maybe some are still a little sketchy on the on the bowl thing, if they care about that, on the sanctions thing. It seems like that everybody has moved past that, so that's positive for Ole Miss. They have the number two class in the country right now. That's I, I think would surprise anyone. And you know that they're under a lot of scrutiny, and they're not messing around at all. You know, I mean, before when yeah. we saw Kim DJ and Treadwell and all those guys, you know, committing to Ole Miss, there were a lot of eyebrows raised, and you know, there were a lot of jokes out there on Twitter, and you know, a lot of the, the money bag emoji was used quite a bit. Um, you know, back in the day, uh, they're getting it done. You know, you you assume the right way. Um, and the fact that they came from such a long investigation, uh, which is crippling in itself, the, the length of the investigation, and then the sanctions, which obviously hurt. I think the sanctions hurt less than the investigation and the length of the investigation. So they've been through all of that over the last few years um, to, to put together a class like this to get some of these top kids uh, to buy in and, and commit is, is an extremely impressive job. You know, we just did a Rivals View this weekend. Um, you know, most impressive, you know, uh, team since signing day. And I didn't even, you know, I didn't even think of Ole Miss, and I should have. You know, I had Texas in there because they only had three commitments, but two of them were big-time guys, one from California and one was an in-state kid, that uh, Jordan Whittington, that I think is going to be absolutely great. And you had Illinois because of their two commitments that were a big surprise. But... When you talk about surprises, when you talk about teams that have been strong since signing day, you have to talk about Ole Miss. And we've talked poorly about Ole Miss in the past, um, you know, to obviously to the displeasure of the fan base. But there's nothing but positive to talk about right now when you're talking about the way they're recruiting. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, when kids are committed, at least in, in the past, it's been harder, you know, to, for them to decommit if the season goes south or if they have a kind of an average season. So locking these kids up, a lot of them are in-state kids. Very good. Go to go to Texas and get a four-star quarterback. That's big. We talked about DeWan Black and how special he could be and play all over the field. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing a, a phenomenal job. And, and just to touch on that, Illinois, uh, you know, they're doing a great job too. Uh, we've talked about this at length. Uh, I mentioned them this weekend. Um, you know, you have to give them credit and, uh, those, those two programs definitely stand out in terms of who's been doing a great job last couple now months since signing day. Now, that being said, we are going to talk about crappy quarterback play throughout this podcast, actually. Um, you know, we've got that coming up next in a couple different sections and this is not a good quarterback year. Um, but I think, it's, it's as important this year to get a good quarterback as it is in a year where you're flush with quarterbacks. Um, you know, you see Oklahoma with Spencer Rattler already, you know, locked up. That's extremely important, um, you know, because there's just not a lot of guys out there. Auburn with Bo Nix and Washington with Dylan Morris and, you know, everybody wanting Grant Canell. He was committed to Texas A&M and, you know, now there's talk of Ohio State, Oklahoma State, a bunch of other different schools in there. Um, if you don't get a good one this year, you could be in trouble. Um, you know, and when you see a guy like Ryan Holinsky, you know, commit from California to go to South Carolina, 
you know, it makes you think a little bit of the Spurrier days when he couldn't get the big-name guys, um, and we couldn't figure out why he couldn't get the, the big-name guys. You know, they, they were all looking. Um, everybody from Jimmy Clausen on down was, was looking at South Carolina, but none of them really pulled the trigger. Um, you know, this year, that's a solid get. I mean, Helensky's probably, he's a 5'7", three-star, which means he's a high three-star. Um, I think in a year like this, you could even say that that's a four-star grab right there because there's just so few quarterbacks. I mean, we've got um, a total of, I think, nine guys in the pro-style ranks that are that are four-stars uh, or higher. And I say or higher, there are no five-stars. Uh, there, there's no five-star quarterbacks, and I'm not sure if there are any in the country this year. That's how bad it is at quarterback. So when you get guys like that, um, you know, when you when you have Florida landing a Jalen Jones um, or Mississippi State getting a Garrett Trader, those are important quarterback gets. So we're going to be talking some real crappy quarterbacks. Uh, I'm not mentioning these guys for that reason. Uh, but I'm mentioning how important it is to get a quarterback this year that's solid. That's why, you know, Paul Tyson, everybody says, well, of course he went there and they took him because of the Bear Bryant connection. No, watch this kid on film. He's solid. He's very, very solid quarterback. And in this year, that's what you need. Um, I think he threw one interception last year, total. Um, that's what you're looking for. You're, you're not going to find a guy that, that is going to be – you know, JT Daniels or, you know, Shea Patterson or, you know, um, Jake Fromm. You're not going to find that guy this year, so you better find a good one. And a lot of these teams are finding them early. And you're, you're going to be, you know, you're going to strike out if you wait too much longer because most of these guys are committed already. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Holinsky will be getting a ratings bump. He's been one of the best quarterbacks uh, out west all spring long. Uh, I think it's a big pickup for South Carolina. Very likable kid, very coachable, will be loved by teammates and can recruit for them. But yeah, Rattler is a kid who's kind of a, you know, an interesting one because he doesn't play a lot of seven on seven. He doesn't do a lot of camps because he plays basketball. Um, so Dwan Mathis is definitely a kid that I'm interested in seeing. People, Some people love him. He's going to Michigan State, going to provide that team some athleticism and spark at quarterback and then Jaden Daniels is is a kid who's been fantastic through his season just put up outstanding numbers um, all year long and then has been really really good in the camp so um, it's just an interesting quarterback group because there isn't that Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or JT Daniels like last year we were just it was like an embarrassment of riches at quarterback and all of them were clear five stars and all of them could have been number one player in the country and, and no one would have batted an eye about it um, you're not getting that this year, but you do always have to load up at quarterback, and this is that kind of year. And some of these guys, you know, Jaden Daniels, everybody thinks he's going to USC. Michael Johnson Jr., everybody thinks he's going to Oregon. Some of these guys who aren't committed already are pretty much committed already. Um, so that's the other point of getting one early, you know, making sure that you get one of these guys because you don't want to be shut out. Because if you do have a one-year gap at your quarterback, uh, it could be a problem because then you end up taking two the next year, and when you have two quarterbacks, especially if they're four-star caliber guys, you really have one because the other one's going to transfer. I was looking at an article we did last week. Um, Woody Womack and I did an article on graduate transfers. I can't pull it up right now. I don't know where it is. But uh, I was looking at all the guys that transferred, uh, especially quarterbacks, 
and it's just so quick. They just pull the trigger so quickly, whether they're injured, you know, uh, it's always the same story. Such and such, you know, played well as a freshman, um, you know, and then had a solid sophomore year, was injured as a junior, and then boom, transferred. Um, yeah. You know, even the grad transfers you see now are a lot of kids that, you know, for whatever reason, either didn't pan out or, or got injured and decided to take off. So if you go one quarterback a year, I think you're pretty safe. That's not to say that that's the only way to do it. Obviously, you can you can have two quarterbacks um, in the same class and, you know, hope that you redshirt one of them and, and another one develops and you separate them out a little bit. But for the most part, when you have two in the same class that are very good uh, or a bunch in a row that are very good, you know, we see Jacob Eason transferring out. We see what happened at Texas A&M with everybody transferring out. Um, you know, I think... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys, uh, you know, pan out, which ones go where, who gets shut out of the, the sort of musical chairs of quarterbacks this year, and how many of these stick, too. I mean, we've already had a decommitment. I think, you know, I think it's the biggest one, you know, a quarterback is Gannell at Texas A&M. And the next guy we're talking about here is Johnny Manziel because he, he he went off on Gorney on Twitter. Um <laughs> he he decommitted, you know, he was committed to Oregon with Marcus Mariota. I mean, the two of those guys who both won Heisman's were committed to the same school at one point in time. And, you know, it's always interesting to see what would happen if they decided to stay, who would have sat the bench, who would have transferred. Um, it just sort of worked out for those guys, but uh, for this group. And then, you know, you look at Florida and, you know, they get a three-star quarterback, a mid-range three-star quarterback. And Jalen Jones from Baltimore, and and the whole fan base is upset, you know. But this is what Dan Mullen works with. This is what he yeah. turns into great quarterbacks, you know. I think just because he switched from Mississippi State to Florida doesn't mean that he needs to go out and get a five-star quarterback. Um, Jalen Jones is the perfect dual-threat guy. He's a big kid. Uh, he's got a live arm. He can move around and extend the play the the type of kid that you know the perfect recipe for for Dan Mullen to turn him into a good quarterback not right away but you know in in a couple years so you know Florida fans sometimes some of them were disappointed in the fact that they didn't get the four star or the high three star quarterback but he could be the best of the group we have no idea but let's get to Johnny football because Johnny football taught you a little bit something and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it Gorns you, you responded Incorrectly, um, so I'm here to I'm here to help you with that. But uh, okay, so here's here's the way it works with our with our rankings, and I'll just say this out loud, and I'm going to say it. it. This has been the way it's been forever since since 1998 or whatever. The first year we ranked players, and the first year I started at this company, and it's always been college success and NFL draft position. That's it. Once they get into the NFL, we don't care what they do. So Johnny Manziel being an absolute bust, which is what you pointed out to him, who, by the way, has 2.1 million followers and didn't didn't create nearly the buzz Jamal Adams did. I, I don't know what <laughs> happened there. You figure Johnny Manziel responding to one of your tweets, things would go nuts, but they didn't. It just sort of stayed kind of calm. Um, 
I, I don't know why. You know, Jamal Adams complained about being 33rd in the country, I think. And Johnny Manziel had a good point. He was a three-star kid. Now, should he have been ranked higher? No. He, he worked out at wide receiver at some camps um, because nobody wanted him at quarterback. Um, you know, Oregon was his only offer until Texas A&M took a late flyer on him. Uh, but he turned out to be a Heisman winner and be a first-round NFL draft pick. So in our mind as a three-star, that's a failure on our behalf. The fact that he sucked at an NFL, as an NFL quarterback, the fact that he's a complete bust because of all of his off-field issues matters none. It's all about college success and NFL draft standing. So you have been officially corrected. Uh, I'll put. This, Thank you for that, Mike. I'll put this in your folder. This will be a little <laughs> bit of a of, of a written reprimand for you, because um, you confused a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there who said, "Well, wait a minute. Pro pro success factors into our ranking? No, it doesn't. Because then, what are you talking about? I mean, then then you're talking about. I mean, we can't even track that. I mean, so so let me ask you this, Mike. So yeah. Sam Darnold as a high four star would be a miss because he's going to be a top five pick. Sam Darnold, I don't know. It's tough because he's a four star. You know, a three star is a miss. A four star, he was in the one seventy range or something like that. I think ranking wise, one fifty to one seventy range. He's going to be the number one pick overall. I don't know if you consider that a miss. What I consider a miss is. <clears throat> a three-star or a two-star in the first round, um, you know, who had a very good college career. Now, if, you, if you're in the first round, you had a very good college career, right? So we can honestly just say that's the way it is. I mean, name a first-rounder who didn't have a good college career. Um, so I don't think he's a miss. Um, Josh Allen's a miss. That's, that's a miss. Uh, so, so if I'm not naming any names, but if you, if we know kind of off the record that a kid has a lot of problems and then he goes to college and gets into trouble and he's given the money sign and then goes to the NFL and has all kinds of off the field problems and he was a three star fat that factored into his ranking, but he was a first round pick, then that's a miss. Yeah, because he had a great college career and he was a first rounder. It's a miss. So, so Tim, so Tim Tebow had a great college career. Wasn't a, a first rounder. No, he was a first rounder. I'm sorry, was a first rounder. Yep. Had a great college career, but was a terrible NFL football terrible. player. He sh he should have been a five star. Yeah, he was a hit. We nailed it. He won the Heisman Trophy. He won two national championships. Uh, he was a first rounder. Boom. End of story. That's it. Whatever he did after draft day, whatever date that was, whether that was April 28th, whatever he did April 29th. Whether he lost both arms and both legs in a train accident, we don't care. That's the last day that matters. And, and the reason it's that way is because we get evaluated based on the NFL draft. How many articles do you see after the first round of the draft stating what their high school rating was? You see a billion of them. A billion. Yeah, that's true. You don't see, you know, and data Sue who signed with, the Rams was a former four star, you know, twelve years ago in high school. You so let me ask you this: so, so if you have a kid who uh, was decent in college, was not a first round pick, was a fifth round pick, and then was and then was awesome in the NFL, 
and we had him as a five star. That's a miss on our part. That's a miss. Yeah. And then yeah. what you just described is could, could be Quinn Blanding. It could be Quinn Blanding. There's a good example. Well, like like a like a Brandon Cooks type was very good in college at Oregon State. Well, he, was he wasn't a, a five star coming out of high school. He wasn't a five star though. Let's okay. stick, let's stick with the five star. So the five star is Quinn Blanding, five star, right? Yeah. Great career in, at Virginia. Three time right. All ACC, ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year, I believe. First team All American at least once. Uh, runs a four six three. Isn't a great tester. Won't be anywhere near first rounder. Will probably slide to the fifth or sixth round. I'm not saying that's a bust because he had the great college success. So that's one part of it right there, right? But he didn't translate into a first rounder. So here's the here's a bust. A bust is Derek Green. Remember him? Right. Okay. Right. That's a horrendous bust. Derek Green was a five star running back. He went off to Michigan. He stunk at Michigan. He transferred to TCU. I don't even know if he played. He never even so. didn't get sniffed at in the draft. That's a complete utter bust. Quinn Blanding would be sort of a, and let's say Quinn Blanding has a 12-year career in the NFL, and he's a, a an eight-time Pro Bowler. Still and a bust in our eyes. Still a still a miss. St- not a miss. See, I, I'm not qualifying him as a miss because he had the college success, just not a home run. All right, so let's take Deshaun Hand as a good example. No college success. Right. Could could make it in the NFL, won't be drafted in the first couple rounds. Miss. Then has a has a ten year career as a successful NFL player. Miss. He was a miss. Absolute miss. See, I think offline we need to talk about this. No, I don't think so because here's the thing: I cannot say today when I'm looking at these guys. Okay, so so here here's today. Dewan Black commits to Old Miss, right? We just talked about him. He's he, he's right now. Listed as athlete, he's six foot four. He's two hundred and thirty pounds. He could play linebacker. He could play big safety. He could grow into a defensive end. He could be a hybrid guy. All right. I can't project what Dewan Black is going to be in the year two thousand and twenty-eight. Ten years from now. No, but we can project that he's going to have a success, a successful NFL career. Um, I, I don't even. Can't even project that. I mean, so far away, I can project what he's going to do over the next three, four years. That's reasonable. But when you're talking about, you know, these free agent signings, you know, Dadakum Sue and guys like that who have been in the league for, what, eight, nine years, you can't hearken back to their high school rating and say, well, we got that right. So, so Aaron Rodgers, who put up decent numbers at Cal, not great, 19-5, and 24-8, was a late first-round pick. We had him as a three-star or whatever. We missed. But he has well, – well, not really, though, right? Because he's had – well, yeah, he's had a tremendous NFL career. Yep. One of the best ever. That's a, that's a complete miss, right? But even that, he was, a, he was a college standout. He wouldn't have been drafted in the first round if he was not a college standout. You know, guys that throw 12 picks and, you know, and of course I'm talking about Sam Darnold. Uh, that's a rarity. But guys that throw 12 picks and 20 touchdowns usually don't get drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. So he had a good college career, and he was a first-rounder. you got to cut it off someplace. You can't, 
I mean, then what are we doing? Are we talking about, you know, charity football games when they're 50? you got to cut it off. And it's always been, always, and this has always been explained, college success is first, okay? So Tim Tebow having success in college was the most important factor of him being a five-star prospect. Most yeah. important factor. Then the draft, because we get, we get you know, just skewered over the draft. We right. get skewered by everybody over the draft. And then that's it. <clears throat> that's that's where, you know, Deshaun Jackson, if he has a great year, whatever team he's on right now, uh, I'm not going to say Deshaun Jackson. I think he's on his fourth team now. Uh, yep. Because he had a great year with his new team, you know, he living up to that five-star, it's, it's, it's over. But Deshaun Jackson, I believe, was a first-rounder. I know he had a good career in college, so he lived up to all of it. So Johnny Football did the two things that are required of him to prove us wrong. Have a great college career and land. And it's not just first-round. I mean, there are guys that go in the second round. Second round is not bad at all. Right. I mean, Jalen Smith went in the second round because of his injury. Uh, I'm not discounting his draft position. You know, he was a guy who had a great career at Notre Dame. He was a second-round pick. Uh, that's a hit to me. We had him as a five-star, and he lived up to the criteria. The bottom line well, more, is you can't... More than anything, and I, and I just want to say this and get this out here, one, I'm not a Twitter troll who likes to fight on Twitter. I don't care about it. I don't want to get involved in it. But for a kid who's trying to, you know, recreate his image and get back to the NFL, to start arguments about the high school Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's just, and I'm writing about it tomorrow, and nobody cares, because who cares what I write? But to me, it's hilarious. I mean, this is a guy who's trying to rehab his reputation. This is a guy who's trying to overcome bipolar disorder, who's trying to overcome numerous addictions. We have no idea how many addictions he has. Is he a gambling addict? Is he a drug addict? Is he a, is he an alcoholic? I don't know what I lost track of the problems that Johnny Manziel has. Um, he's trying to win an NFL job, which is extremely unlikely. He's going to two pro days. He's probably going to end up throwing in the CFL and freezing his butt off. And he's bragging about the fact that we missed on his high school rating. Right. That's why right. I'm telling you, and I tell people this all the time, and I know this because I run into guys uh, here and there. You know, Obviously, I used to travel a lot more than I do now, but when I used to travel, there were some uncomfortable situations where I ended up sitting next to somebody that I ended up ranking out of high school or I'd run into somebody who turned out to be a big executive at a potential sponsor who I ranked out of high school. They take it so personally, they hold on to it forever. Jamal Adams has no reason to be upset about his ranking. He, he's part of, you know, he's ranked higher than 99.9999999% of all high school football players that came out in 2014, and he's pissed. And yeah. Johnny Football is still upset about his three-star ranking coming out of high school. I don't know what it is. That's what makes it interesting. But 
as we segue into our next topic, it is how horrible the NFL is at evaluating quarterbacks and how horrible all these highly paid scouts and general managers and coaches and football experts and guys who know 80 times more about football than we do, how they can't project a guy to go from college to the NFL baffles me. It just baffles me, and, and that's the thing that I don't understand. We are trying to project, a, let's say, a running back. Let's pick any position. Some kid, Damian Harris. Remember Damian Harris? He's still at Alabama, five-star running back. Was he the number one running back in the country? We didn't know. He played a bunch of kids in Kentucky that stunk. They all stunk. Yeah. Played against nobody. He ran away from everybody. You know, the only true evaluation we had of Damian Harris was watching him run away from a bunch of nobodies and watching him down at Under Armour. And we're supposed to figure out, A, is he the best running back in the country? B, is he a five-star talent? C, is he going to have a great college career? And D, does he have the potential to be a first-round NFL pick? Now, so far, we did A and B. Uh, he hasn't had the great college career yet. He's had a good college career, uh, and he's not draft eligible because he decided to come back. So we've still got a couple of areas where we're being graded on. But let's take a running back like Darius Geis. NFL yep. scouts can pop in film of him playing Alabama. Um, I don't know. Texas A&M. Auburn. Yeah. You know, like real football teams. They get to see him play against guys who can tackle and guys who are first-rounders and guys that are NFL players, and they still can't. And they talk, and they talk to 40 people at LSU and do background checks, and they, and they still can't figure it out. Yeah, and we talk to people at high schools who say, he's the greatest football player I've ever seen. Well, yeah, you, you haven't yeah. seen anybody. You know, And they're talking to coaches who have been around at 10 different schools, and they're talking to... You know, coaches in the league, you know, in the SEC that have been to, you know, they're talking to guys that have been around for years and years and years or seen kids, and they're also able to compare him to a guy like Leonard Fournette, okay? So Fournette ran at LSU before Darius guys did, and they're able to talk to the coaches about the differences between the two, and they're able to talk to opponents uh, about the differences between the two, and they're able to compare them because they played against the same teams and all that stuff. I don't know who ran, uh, you know, before Damian Harris at his school in high school, but I can guarantee you it was nobody similar to Leonard Fournette. <laughs> so when these guys get it so wrong, and listen, I'm not bragging and saying we get it right. We whiff on quarterbacks as much as anybody. It's hard. Um, other positions as well. But people love to point out when we're wrong, which is why I wanted to clarify what we do and what our criteria is. But listen to some of these names. Ready? Okay. Ryan Leaf, Tim Couch, Killy Smith, Cade McNown, David Carr, Joey Harrington, Patrick Ramsey, Byron Leffrich, Kyle, Kyle Bowler, Rex Grossman, J.P. Lossman, Jason Campbell, Vince Young, Matt Liner, Jay Cutler, Jamarcus Russell, Brady Quinn, Mark Sanchez, Josh Freeman, Sam Bradford, Tim Tebow, Jake Locker, Blake Gabbert, Christian Ponder, Robert Griffith III, Ryan Tannehill, Brandon Whedon, E.J. Manuel, Johnny Manziel, and Teddy Bridgewater. That's 18 years, because I didn't include the last few, last couple drafts. That's going back 20 years, technically. <laughs> and listing every first-round NFL quarterback that has not lived up to their potential. That's a ton. 
I mean, and, and again, some of these guys played. Yeah, Mark Sanchez played. Yeah, he led his team to uh, an AFC championship game. But he's he hasn't played like a first-rounder. Jay Cutler is still in the league. Doesn't matter. He's He's been a big bust as a first-rounder. All these guys suck. And yet there were NFL teams lining up, trading up at times to get these guys. And they had ten times more information about these guys than we did. Which brings me to my point. We got five guys who are probably going to be first-rounders, if you include Lamar Jackson. Four of them are probably going to suck. Yeah. So which four are going to suck? Or let's say you get three that suck and two that are good, which is, you know, more along the average. Mayfield and Rosen are good, and the others are going to suck. And we're not just talking about struggling in the NFL or being an average quarterback. We're talking about complete and utter misses. Guys that just don't resonate at all in the league or have really, really short or bad careers. I mean, really short. Like Tim Couch, how long was he in the league? Yeah. Number one pick overall. Achilles Smith. He was out. I mean, look at EJ Manuel was just a few years ago. Yeah. He's done. Sucks. Brandon Whedon's a backup. He's a joke. And and I put Teddy Bridgewater in there. Yes, injuries do play a part in being a bust. Injuries also play a part in when we rank kids and they don't pan out. That's just life. You know, sometimes they get injured and they never recover. But they're still a bust. It doesn't change that at all. So, I mean, Jake Locker, I remember, Jake, I mean, Jake Locker's a West Coast kid, so obviously you remember him as well. There was talk, he went eighth in the draft, I forget what year it was. There was talk that he's the steal of the draft. Steal, steal of the, the draft, draft, yeah. yeah. And you, I, I don't remember, I know you and I talked about Jake Locker, and we talked about a lot of these guys, but I remember not being impressed whatsoever with Jake Locker's resume at all. Not at all. And wondering for for the life of me what anybody saw that would make this guy a first-round draft pick. Christian Ponder, same way. Like, what do they see in these guys that makes them say, well, this kid's a first-round? And normally, not with Ponder, but normally it's size and arm strength. And that's why I think you get guys like Darnold and Josh Allen, who the, the numbers are right in your face. The, the accuracy numbers for Josh Allen are right in your face. The FBS, uh, the play against FBS opponents is right in your face. Uh, Darnold, the turnovers are right in your face, and everybody just ignores it. They just look at it and ignore it. Yeah, and that's, the, that's another interesting part that we've discussed about this draft class at quarterback is – there's potential there for it to be very, very good, one of the best ever. And then there's a lot of potential there for it to be a complete and utter disaster. I mean, you're going to take Sam Darnold number one. Everybody knows he turns the ball over. Can he fix that in the NFL, or does it get worse? You know, Josh Rosen, uh, will he listen to coaches? Baker Mayfield, I mean, he's grabbing his crotch and telling people to do things and running away from the police. And, you know, that's going to be issues. Uh Josh Allen against anybody with a pulse, he throws. He doesn't throw the ball well. Lamar Jackson, same issue. He can run around, but he can't do that in the NFL. And then any difficult pass, he can't. He can't deliver it. So uh, everybody falls in love with the quarterbacks. We could have five misses in the first round, and then, like it always usually happens, second, third, fourth round picks are the ones that end up in in the league and have some staying power. 
Yeah, and there's a few drafts where it's been pretty good, you know, where yeah. they, they actually, I was looking at one particular draft, and I'm not talking 1983 good, where you have three Hall of Famers, that's just a little yeah. ridiculous, but, um, you know, there, there was the Matt Ryan year, uh, if I could find it, you know, it sort of makes you think, okay, yeah, these guys can can sometimes get this stuff right. You know, Ryan was third third overall. Joe Flacco was 18th overall. Joe Flacco is not a great quarterback, but you know, he's won a Super Bowl and he's a he's a entrenched starter in the yeah. NFL. So I mean, he's not a bust. And that was it. Those are the only two that were taken in the first round. But but then you look at the Cam Newton year and it's like Cam Newton number one. And he's been obviously good. Uh, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder. Like, what are they thinking at 8, 10, and 12 in that first round? I just can't yeah. understand it. Um, you know, and it's just the need for a quarterback is, is there. Obviously, there's a panic that, that comes through. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't want to sign one because it's going to cost you $84 million of a guaranteed contract nowadays to get a Kirk Cousins, who's an average quarterback. So you've got to draft one. So I see why you reach at the position. But Dave Barry will tell you this, too, because he's sitting behind a video camera watching the quarterbacks. The one thing you can't evaluate in a quarterback is what's between his ears. You cannot do it, period. At any camp, I don't care what it is. You can try to go through progressions. You can try to go through all that stuff. You can do the boring Trent Dilfer, you know, sit at a chalkboard for days on a time and have him throw two passes a day. You're not going to be able to tell what's going to happen when a 265-pound defensive end is coming at that guy and he hasn't even gotten to his second read. Is he going to throw that ball up for grabs? Is he going to throw that ball away? Is he going to fumble? What is he going to do? Anthony Morelli was one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen throw a football. And you as a Penn State guy know that he did not have a good career. He had an average career, but the problem was that when things got fast and things got live, he couldn't speed up. But when it was 7-on-7, I'll tell you what, you never saw a better quarterback. But that's what we're evaluating. So that's what the NFL is sort of evaluating, except they get to see Sam Darnold fumble once a game. Right. And they still want to take him first overall. You get to see Josh Allen play against FBS teams, and just so happens every FBS team he plays against, he stinks. It just yeah, it and, and, and I've found over the years of doing this, the hardest thing with quarterbacks is, for an example, one of my big misses was Max Brown, five-star kid. I was sure he was going to be successful at USC, smart, cerebral, teammates loved him, put up huge numbers. Well, he was playing people against Washington, and when it got real fast in the Pac-12... He couldn't deliver. He was always a second late. He lost his job to Sam Darnold, which is hardly something to be sour about because Sam Darnold had a pretty decent career. But uh, that's the hardest thing. You know, I see. I saw Josh Rosen against probably the best competition in high school football, and he delivered every game. So I'm a little more confident in Josh Rosen long term. Uh, yeah, but, but I'm it's gonna, hard I'll because throw, I'll throw a name out there that is just going to ruin everything you just said. Carson Wentz. Yeah. North Dakota high school football. Right. North Dakota like State. He killed it at North Dakota State. No. He bounced around. They talked about him switching positions. He was injured. But then he goes uh, off yeah. to the NFL, and 
you know, if he wasn't injured this year, obviously, I think the Eagles would have won the Super Bowl, as they did anyways. Um, but the, the guy looks amazing. He looks absolutely yeah. amazing. He's played against no competition in his entire life. You know, so what's the difference between Carson Wentz and Max Brown? Now, Max Brown's not an athlete, and Carson right. Wentz is an athlete. But how do you know Carson Wentz is going to be Carson Wentz, who I didn't think was going to be a good quarterback? I was saying the same things about Carson Wentz that I'm saying about Josh Allen. Same thing. Yeah. And I'm way off because the guy looks amazing. He looks like he's going to be yeah. a future star. So how do you know? You just don't know. I mean, the Chiefs are so confident in Patrick Mahomes. I watched Patrick Mahomes a lot in college. And I was yeah. like, this guy's a system quarterback. He relies on his arm too much. He's going to be a turnover machine at the NFL level. And the Chiefs yeah. are confident that he's better than Alex Smith. And they're ready to hand the starting job to him with no experience whatsoever. And we're going to compete for a Super Bowl. He could be great. It's just weird. Sometimes you get a feel for it. Like Deshaun Watson, we scouted and we knew so much. And you could see him against Alabama. And you could see him in big games. And you could see he had, you know, nerves of steel. And, you know, even though he had the turnovers, he didn't fumble the ball. You know, he never got rattled. You never really saw any of the panic that you sometimes see in Darnold. And we knew he was going to be really good. And he ends up going as the third quarterback in the draft and sets all sorts of NFL records before he gets injured. Now, he could get injured next year, and then two years after that he could get injured, and he could turn into a complete bust because he can't stay healthy. But we knew he was going to be a good quarterback when healthy. And I'm not sure why we have that confidence in him and then I look at Trubisky and Mahomes, and I'm like, both of these guys are going to suck. Well, it's the same thing. It's, it is a feel thing. And I've, I've been on a lot of these conference calls with Mel Kuyper for draft stuff and just to see what he's going to say. And his argument for Josh Allen is that you know, uh, uh, completion percentage doesn't matter. And uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. And stats are for losers, he said. And then people ask him, well... Why don't you make the same argument for Lamar Jackson? And all he talks about is completion percentage and arm strength and, and accuracy issues. And so, like, you fall in love, and you find this to be true, too. You fall in love with certain guys, and other guys who do similar things or have similar problems, you, you accentuate those as why you don't like those guys as much. Yeah, and in this draft, I've, I've you know, I fell in love with Darnold after the Penn State game. And then all this past year, I, I fell out of love. You know, the, yeah. the turnovers killed me, just killed me. If, I, if I'm a football player uh, and I'm playing any other position and my quarterback's fumbling the ball and turning it over as much as he did, I want to kill him. I, that was the same concern with Deshaun Watson turning the ball over too much. Right, and his was the long ball. He sort of put too much air underneath it. He threw too many interceptions, blah, blah, blah. I was not in love with Baker Mayfield. He grew on me like, like, like fungi, you know, and he just kept growing on me. And he just this this relentless competitor that you start to think, am I looking at Aaron Rodgers here? And, yeah. and that's kind of how it works. We've been, both been in love with Josh Rosen since the beginning. So I think we give Josh Rosen even more the benefit of the doubt than we probably even should. Um, He's a very, very talented kid for sure, but we we defend him to no end. It doesn't matter what people say about him. We're like, ah, that's not true. And that's how well, you that's fall the same in love question. with guys. Can Josh, see, 
Aaron Rodgers is this relentless competitor and he's awesome and all this kind of stuff and people overlook Baker Mayfield for grabbing his crotch and running away from police and getting tackled and doing all that kind of stuff. And then Josh Rosen does nothing except is kind of a wise-ass and uh, people take that as a knock against him instead of, you know, he's you could turn that around and say he's a confident quarterback and he's loved by his teammates and he's this and that whatever else, but everyone finds something to hang on to with every guy and it's either a justification for why you like him or like a negative for why you shouldn't. Yeah, and it's also interesting to see how the NFL falls out of love of guys, but yet they still draft them fairly high. I mean, you know, Brad Kyle wasn't drafted high, but remember when he was number one in his year, he ended up dropping to the sixth round, but Christian Hackenberg was number one. That was the guy. Uh, yeah. He still ended up being drafted in the second round. And, and looking back on his last two years at Penn State, there's no way on earth he should have been drafted that high. But yeah. he did get drafted that high because <clears throat> he was the guy who was big, strong arm, and let's overlook the turnovers and the fact that he has no clock in his head and that he's immobile and he takes his sack every other play. Let's overlook that. We can turn him into a great NFL quarterback, and it hasn't worked yet. So I don't know. It's the position that's never going to be – you're never going to figure it out. You're never going to be able to – you know, I I was working on an article. We do these things called uh, Ranking with the Stars – and we look at the guys that were ranked ahead of big, big name guys. And I've done it in the past with like Gronkowski and, you know, guys like that. But I'm doing some for the draft. And I'm doing Sam Darnold. So here are the quarterbacks that were ranked ahead of Sam Darnold. DeAndre Francois, who has a lot of talent but coming off an injury, uh, got knocked around and ragdolled quite a bit at, at Florida State with that horrible offensive line. Blake Barnett, tons of talent, one-time five-star for us, goes off to Alabama, loses his starting job, pouts and cries his way out of there. Now he's going to start over at Arizona State. Could be great, could suck. Don't know. Travis Waller, remember him? Yeah, Which, well, he, who I loved in high school and has done absolutely nothing. Anymore. And he's not even Travis Waller anymore. He's Travis Johnson, Travis and, and, Johnson. Yeah. and he's transferred out. He's at Riverside City College. Now he's at Montana State, blah, blah, blah. Brandon Wimbush. Brandon Wimbush looked like he was going to have a breakout season this year. Didn't happen. Can't complete the ball. And, again, Sam Darnold was a dual-threat quarterback, so you're seeing dual-threat quarterbacks ranked ahead of him here. Kyler Murray, dynamic athlete. Everybody had him as a five-star except for us. He's already transferred as well. So let's see. Blake Barnett's already transferred. Kyler Murray's already transferred. Travis Waller's already transferred. Jarrett Stidham. Jarrett Stidham transferred, too. Now, for obvious reasons, he deserved to transfer because Baylor was just a a cesspool. Uh, But Jarrett Stidham was ranked ahead of of him. And then Dwayne Lawson. Guess where Dwayne Lawson is? He's transferred as well. He's at Illinois, and he might not even play because he's got academic issues, but he was signed by Virginia Tech. So you look at these guys, I mean, this is like – Sam Darnold's year. This was, what, three years ago? Yeah. And all these guys have already transferred. And all of them had talent. You know, we thought they were all better than Darnold. And now Stidham could end up being better than Darnold. Kyler Murray's too small for the NFL. Wimbush is not going to turn out to be that great. And who knows what Blake Barnett's going to do. And Francois is pretty good. But, again, he's too short. You know, these are all talented guys. But let's not forget on Darnold, too, like, 
there were schools looking at him at first at tight end, and then schools wanted him at linebacker, and then they weren't sure he was a quarterback, and then he was a quarterback, but he never went to any camps or seven-on-seven, so you see other guys more often. You see Darnold once. I remember, I think I saw Darnold one time before his senior season, and it was a seven-on-seven, and I, I thought he was very good, but you just don't have you know, the resume that you do on other guys, so you kind of lean conservative on him, and you don't go nuts on him, and then he turns out to be a miss, you know? Yeah, and we had him higher, and then we got to see him at the Army Bowl, and he wasn't impressive there. He had a rough week of practice, he didn't have a great game, blah, blah, blah. Then he ends up sliding behind a lot of these guys, and now he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. You know, it's really, you, you go with what you have information-wise, if a kid's not going to come to a lot of things and, and, and compete and all that, there's nothing you can do. Um, you can go based on game film, but again, most of these guys are playing such horrible competition that it's just not fair. I mean, I know, I know you love JT Daniels. I know he plays against top competition out in California. But I watch him on film, and not just highlight films, but game film. It's not fair. He's toying with people. Right. And he's not playing against great players. There's a lot of Division One players on his team, and he plays against other Division One players, but it's not like he's playing against, you know, a two deep of all Division One football players. So a guy like JT Daniels can pick on the one defensive back who absolutely stinks every game. And he also happens to have the best wide receiver we've seen probably in the last 10 years, and he can just throw it up to him. How do you evaluate a guy like that? Well, another good evaluation from last year is let's take uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, plays in Cartersville, Georgia. Plays small schools. Not a lot of Division I guys. He dominates them. How do you evaluate that? Is that is it good that he's dominating that? Is How, how do you read his speed against you know, someone else like Justin Fields or whoever else, it's just an incredibly difficult, pretty much impossible thing to do. And I don't want to say we're guessing on quarterbacks because we're not, but we're trying to do as best of the job as we can of evaluating what we can evaluate. But when when JT Daniels is playing in the Trinity League in Southern California and tearing it up, and Trevor Lawrence is tearing it up in, in Cartersville, Georgia, uh, where you couldn't name one team he plays against, uh, how do you evaluate the two? You know, it's just impossible to do. Yeah, and this is why, you know, guys like Marcus Mariota go number two in the draft and then, you know, they're three stars because he's from Hawaii. All right. You know. Yeah, and another kid who had Memphis and a few other offers and then Oregon came in late and struck gold. And we saw him once. He was at the Elite, yeah. Elite 11 in L.A. So we saw him once. Yeah. And then the rest is what we're watching is, is, is game film from Hawaii where he's just absolutely picking apart. And we know Hawaii competition is awful. It's just horrendous. People that say Hawaii competition is good, I would put Connecticut competition against Hawaii competition. If they had an all-star game between Connecticut players and Hawaii players, <laughs> it would be a close football game. And I know, you know, luckily nobody listens to this because I'd hear it a lot from, uh, you know, a lot of Hawaii, you know, pro-Hawaii guys and, and all-poly and all this other stuff. But it's crap competition. So how do you even rank a Marcus Mariota? We ranked him based on one evaluation, essentially, and then just a bunch of film. Um, and we guessed. 
And that's what you do with quarterbacks. I mean, you do your best guesswork. But we do that with defensive ends. We do it with defensive tackles, we guess. So, I don't know. It's just whatever. It's just, uh, you know, Johnny Manziel brought us into this discussion. He stunk. I mean, he was a great high school quarterback, but he was five foot ten, uh, and working out as a wide receiver, you know, right. at some camps. Because and he didn't want to work out a wide receiver. He thought he was the greatest quarterback ever. Uh, but they made him do that at some summer camps because they didn't think he could be a quarterback. And you know, and that's the other thing too is like two schools offered him in the entire country as a quarterback. Um, so when when I see Baker Mayfield as a walk on at Texas Tech, who had I think Washington State was his only legit Power Five offer, I'm actually pretty proud of that ranking. Because yeah. that's a kid that, by all uh, logic, should be a two-star. You know, not tall, doesn't have a strong arm, uh, you know, had no offers, nobody wanted him, full-on system quarterback. Uh, we saw something in him that made him a three-star. But when he's picked top five, he's going to be a miss. And, and I embrace him as a miss. Now, should I have known years ago when watching Baker Mayfield's film that he was going to be a top five NFL draft pick and he was going to go on to win the Heisman? No way. It's not in a million years I should know that. But here's what I could do. I could do one of two things. I could sit and argue and look like a petty fool and say, well, he was a walk-on, he had no offers, he was a system quarterback, he was small, he was this, that, and the other, and the world will just tell me to shut up. Or I could say, you know what? You're right. That kid outplayed our ranking in a big way. We're going to chalk him up to a bust. Because right. if you do the former, you're never going to stop arguing, ever. So right. that's why I interjected and said, Johnny Manziel, we missed on you, but so did everybody else. It's not like every other scouting company out there had him as a five-star, and we had him as a three. Everybody had him as a three, and if they didn't have him as a three, they had him as a two. So, good for you, Johnny Football. I don't think it's what you should be focused on. I thought Gorney's Twitter would blow up a little bit more with a guy with 2.1 million followers calling him out. But it just never got any traction. You should have said something really insulting. I, I'm not that guy. I don't, I don't want to get involved in Twitter fights. I wish nothing but the best to Johnny Manziel, and I hope he makes it in the NFL. But... Uh... I don't want to sit around on Twitter all day and argue. That's the last thing I want to do. Yeah, you're not on Twitter at all, ever. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, but... Uh, you're not posting. It's not to argue with people. You're on Twitter every Although, second of every day. <laughs> Literally every second of every day. It's sickening. I've seen it. I do like Twitter. So let's skip the next one. Alabama's the leader for Kayvon Thibodeau, because you know what? There's, okay. there's no surprise there. Like... Let's say Alabama gets Kayvon Thibodeau, who's one of the top players in the country, a West Coast defensive end, or let's say USC keeps him. There's no surprise to either, because if Alabama gets a five-star kid, then it's just like, okay, we expected that. Uh, and if USC keeps a kid, a local kid at home, then we expected that as well. So let's wrap it up with Masters talk. I was rooting for Fowler. I have trouble rooting for Patrick Reed. He yeah, seems right. to be yeah. kind of a antagonistic jerk, 
even though he's Captain America and he's great for the Ryder Cup and all that stuff, he seems to be one of those guys that I just wouldn't want to hang around. Well, I read a USA Today story, and I'm not sure there are many guys you do want to hang around. Well, that's true. Uh, I read a, a USA Today story that he got you know, kicked off the Georgia golf team, and uh, there were allegations of him you know, playing de- someone else's ball that was hit better and fixing his own scores. That's not what we need at the Masters. We need Tiger Woods back, baby. Oh, yeah. The, the, how, what, what a big joke it was that Tiger Woods was the favorite to win this tournament. I mean, I know. how stupid I know. are people? And you know how many people bet that? I mean, I know. you got Justin Spieth, Spieth, I mean, Jordan Spieth, sorry. Who, who's Justin Spieth? Is that his... Uh, Probably his brother. His unknown brother who sucks at golf, probably, who just <laughs> probably just shoots up H all day because he sucks at golf and his brother's amazing. Um, you got Jordan Spieth, and then you got Tiger Woods as the favorites to win it all. One of them is, like, the best young golfer in the world. The other one's an old washed-up guy who hasn't played in a Masters in, like, I don't know, four or five years, who hasn't won a tournament in five years, and... I mean, how stupid are people to fall for that? So when he was out there sucking it up, and he ended up what? I think even or plus one. Plus one. Plus one. Yeah. It's not bad, but still, it's pretty far off. What? What one? 15 under one? So he finished yeah. 16 off the pace. Or when people bet on Phil, good old Phil. Now, these are good golfers 10, 15 years ago. But yeah. when I saw Phil miss the ball... On his uh, on his seven on the first hole of Saturday's round, I'm like, people are just so stupid to bet on these guys for for their Americans or for nostalgia purposes or whatever. There are so many good young golfers out there now; it's absolutely ridiculous. So if you don't watch golf, if you think it's boring, like I think NASCAR is boring, uh, but Gordy doesn't. Oh, God. If you think golf's boring. Um, then don't watch it. But yeah. if you if you want to give it a shot, there are so many amazingly good young golfers. I think it's the greatest. Some of some guys that I know, you know, like don't know, but know are good uh, golf analysts like Nick Faldo and guys like that said that this is the greatest time to be a golf fan in the history of golf because there's so many good guys under the age of 30 that could win any tournament any day of the week. So. Um, but well, that's, I didn't want Patrick Reed to win it, even though he's Captain yeah. America. And there are a lot of working theories on why Tiger has been so bad for so many years now. And now that he's back to normal health-wise, or at least semi-normal, you know, one of the theories that my dad floats around is that when he was winning tournaments, he was beating Tom Kite and an old Greg Norman and Chichi Rodriguez and Tom Watson and Faldo and all these guys that were on the downslope of their careers. So. He has he just become a terrible golfer for some reason, or was he just always a, a fantastic golfer, but not so elite that you know he was not facing the competition that he faces today? Like there was no Jordan Spieth pushing Tiger Woods back then, you know? No, I my theory goes back to he needed to be married, but also be with porn stars. Yeah, yeah. So once the marriage, you know, died. I doubt the porn stars train stopped, but I just think once the marriage died, that was the end of it. Plus, fusion surgery is no joke. I mean, you, you pretty much, right. you're like a tin man. So, 
the fact that he's golfing so good after fusion, which I don't believe anybody's ever come back from fusion, back fusion surgery to golf, like at a high level, it's pretty impressive. But the fact that he looked good in a couple tournaments and people made him the favorite to win the master just cracks me up. Yeah, it's a job. It's a job. So I was in a little master's pool, and I, as I was picking guys like, uh, you know, Fowler and Bubba Watson, some other idiot was picking Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you're so stupid. I'm like, okay, good luck with that. Just keep picking old, you know, American guys that you... You know, last time you saw them was 20 years ago when they were winning something. So, uh, it got I, really fun around hole 14 yesterday when they got tied up, but then speed hit into the woods and it just kind of fizzled out. It wasn't a thrilling finish, honestly. Well, what they should have is they should have the Masters every month. This is what's stupid. I, I mean, I know you've got the PGA Championship and you got the Open and you got the U.S. Open and, and all that good stuff, but have the Masters in June. Have it in May. Yeah. It's so much fun to watch that just have it every month. Uh, you know, in Atlanta, you have to take, obviously, you can't have it in October or November, December, January. You know, have it in April through September and just master it out. It's great. But they, they won't do that. They want to keep it special. Yeah. I would watch it every weekend. If they had a Masters every weekend, I would watch it. I can't watch it on Sundays though because it cuts into. I, mean, I can't watch it every Sunday because it cuts into my NASCAR watching. That's yeah. the most important to me. On Sunday. Yeah. Other than watching Homeland and Billions on Sunday night. Don't tell me anything about Homeland because I'm like two episodes behind. So. Yeah, I watched last night because so I was watching. Uh, oh, the Paterno movie, which we won't discuss. Oh God, who plays Paterno? Al Pacino. Is he any good? I mean, it's got to be horrible, right? You know, he kind of looks like him a little bit, but he doesn't sound like him at all. He's, he, he just kind of sounds like Al Pacino in uh, Godfather 3 or Donnie Brasco, kind of. And then, uh, I don't know, it, it, I, didn't think, I didn't think he sounded like him, although he did sort of look like him. In the movie, does Paterno not know what's going on, like, around him? I think the premise of the movie, from what I got, was that he was so wrapped up in the football team and preparing for the football team, he was ignoring all of the Sandusky stuff on the back end and how serious it had become and what was going on. That seemed to be like the premise of what they were trying to, to put out. So kind of like the blind side where Hugh Freeze got a job so that Michael Orr would go to Ole Miss, <laughs> that was just completely ignored through the whole movie? <laughs> they just ignore like reality and what really happened and just make a movie? Yeah. We're finishing this podcast. We're not starting it, so let's wrap it up. Well, we, we started with a good old Miss uh, chat, and I just took a shot at Freeze at the end there. But it's not my fault. And a shot at Paterno as well. So, But we've gone over an hour, so let's end this. Dave Barry hasn't said one freaking word the whole time. No, I'm, I'm here for the beginning. I'm here at the end, baby. <laughs> I was waiting for some golf talk still awake. or something. Yeah, I, I did not off there in the middle. <laughs> I would too. At least he didn't go to the bathroom this time. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. No, that was funny. We All were right. we were calling for you at one point, and you were in the bathroom tearing it up, tearing it up. All right, give our Twitter handles, and we can get out of here. All right. Let's remind everybody too. You can leave us a review on iTunes. It'll help us out immensely. 
Uh, on Twitter, we are at RivalsMike, at Adam Corney, and at Real Dave Barry. We will see everybody again next week.